0: Bit since I've done a, uh, an adult Sunday school, and uh, the nice thing is, we've got this little clock on the back now, so it can let me know uh, where we're at on time, which can be a blessing and it can be a curse. Because um, then, if I run out of notes, then I just got to elongate things. Uh, so, hopefully, that doesn't happen this morning. But uh, today, we're going to be talking about uh, the necessity of the Spirit. So, we're going to be talking about the Holy Ghost this morning, which is an awesome topic to, to talk about. And I realized as I was calling the ushers up, I was like, I should probably make a handout for uh, Sunday school. So I apologize, but uh, it's not in my rhythm just yet. So I don't have a lesson for you to, to hold on to today, but that's all right. So uh, in our lesson today, we we're the example that it started off with, it was talking about a, a guy named George. And he had worked at his job for, for 20 years, and there had been rumors of downsizing and People were starting to get a little bit nervous, and once personnel uh, cuts start, he knows, you know, what's going to happen is his seniority is going to be a factor in whether or not he got to keep his job, but he sat in his, his truck in the parking lot holding the letter that, that his position had been eliminated. He had been in that, 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 that tough part of transition in his life. He wasn't sure what he was going to do. Him and his, his wife had, had grown accustomed to a comfortable lifestyle, and suddenly money was going to be tight. They would have to be forced to evaluate every purchase and every uh, activity that they were going to do. It would have to be thought out so much more carefully than before. They would need to discern better between needs and wants. And that's it's a tough place to be in life because some of us, that's how we live every single day is, you know, I got money in the bank. And is it going to be a need or is it going to be a want? Uh, others are a little bit more blessed where they can not always have to check their bank account 17 times a day, which would be nice. I'm uh, not quite there just yet. Lord, if you want to bless me with finances, I'll take it. But uh, he said, after the kids were in bed, George and Lisa, they sat down that, that night to discuss their situation. And they sat down at the dining room table, and they held hands, and they, they began to pray. And they asked God to give them wisdom to make the right decisions that they would need to do to get them through this, this tough patch. And after an amen, which which led to a unique peace that that prayer can only give, right? In the midst of chaos, in the midst of uncertainty, it, it, it's a peace that it can only come from prayer. Because when I come up with solutions on my own, I, don't, I usually don't have peace. But when God gives me the answers, then then that's when that peace comes in. And they they started to 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 budget a little bit. They they made some obvious temporary adjustments. They they put vacations on hold, things like that. And the the funds that they had been saving for a special. Special event. They said, you know what, we're going to have to use that to to pay bills. We're going to have to have more meals at the house. We won't be able to eat out as much. But they would make things do. It was through their prayer that the guy was able to reveal to them how they would be able to handle the situation. Um, And what they were doing is in economics, there's a term called necessity goods. And what necessity goods is, is when you're in a situation where you have to tighten up the belt or it's getting a little bit tight, uh, when income declines, you have to figure out okay what is a necessity and what 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 can I not afford to be without? They had to uh, learn how to to change those funds just a little bit. So does necessity goods are divided into categories like food, utilities, communication, housing, transportation, uh, medicine, education, and, and, and services like daycare, things like that. And it's easy when you sit down. And you say okay, I've got to cut down to the bare minimums. What can I afford? What, what what can I not afford to get rid of, and put those in categories financially, but spiritually? Sometimes that needs to be done as well, right? Sometimes spiritually we have to get to the point where what's a necessity to have, because sometimes I think that what we think is it, it's it's good to have a prayer life, it's good to read my Bible, it's good to speak in tongues, but do we consider that a necessity? Good is it something that we have to have? We have to budget it in for and and, and take time for it because. If not, what happens is we go along our daily lives and we just, oh well, I, I planned to read my Bible today, but I, I ran out of time. Or I had good ambitions to do this or to do that, but I ran out of time. But when we view it as a necessity, then that's what changes things. So that's what we're going to be talking about today is the necessity of the Spirit. It's not just something that, you know, it'd be nice that if we could have it, but it's something that we, we have to have. We have to make it a daily thing in our lives. It's something we need to survive, right? Yes. Do I need to have a giant house? Probably not. I mean, it'd be nice, but do I need to work 60 hours a week if that means I can't come to church on Wednesday nights? Well, what's the necessity, right? Is it my spiritual necessity or is it my, my carnal mind? And if we think about it, we we can justify things left and right and say, well, this is why God will God will bless this or God will bless that, but we need to remember what the necessity is. And the Holy Ghost is not just something that happens just once and that's something that uh, hit me at a young age was I remember I was about 7 years old when God filled me with the Holy Ghost I was very young and I was in a Sunday school class and I think I was 11 at the time and the teacher went around and I'm like who's been baptized well I've been baptized who has the Holy Ghost and I think I was one of like two kids out of eight that had the Holy Ghost and I was so excited I said I've got the Holy Ghost awesome she said when was the last time you spoke in tongues I got the Holy Ghost when I was seven, so probably about four years ago. And I took credit for it. I said, no, I I did what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to to get baptized. I was supposed to repent of my sins. I was supposed to speak in tongues. And I did it all. And there's an example that she gave that really stuck out to me. And she said, all right, well, how do you think your Holy Ghost is now? It doesn't change. It's still the Holy Ghost. Like, what are you talking about? This is silly. But she said, all right, well, we're going to plan a a great vacation, and we want to go to Disney, right? I said, yeah, let's go to Disney. She says, we're going to get in the car, and we're going to fill it up with gas, and we're going to drive to Disney. I said, all right, let's do it. She goes, what are you going to do when you run out of gas? Well, I'm going to get more gas. She says, because you can't make it all the way from Fort Wayne down to Disney on one tank of gas, can you? I said, no, that'd be crazy. You, you've got to fill up several times. Why do you think you can speak in tongues once, and it's going to get you to heaven? you got to keep filling it up. you got to keep it. It's what gets me going on my journey. It's what helps me along the way. It's that, that necessity. And Jesus stressed the necessity of receiving the Spirit. He chose very early on in his public ministry to have the, an off-the-record conversation with a man named Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, he, he meets with Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a member of the Sanhedrin Council. It's the highest ruling body among the Jewish culture. So this man, had, he had influence, he had, he had power, he had means, he had a lot of things. And he had taken note of what Jesus had been teaching throughout the day. And he, he listened to what Jesus had to say. And he saw the miracles and the wonders of Jesus. And he wanted to learn more about him. But Nicodemus thought it was the best thing to do was not to do it in public, but to, to wait until the middle of the night in the cloak of darkness because he didn't want to jeopardize his, his standing. He didn't want to jeopardize his, his outward image but he wanted to have a desire for more. And what I love about Nicodemus is is I feel like that's how our world is today. We have so many people that we interact with on a daily basis. They are hungry. They are wanting more of God. They want all these things, but they're so concerned on what their outward image is that they don't want to let you know, hey, I, I need Jesus. But when we find a place of seclusion of just them and us where they feel comfortable to ask these questions, then we can minister to them. So Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and acknowledged Jesus uh, heavily. And he says that uh, no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except that God be with him. John 3, 2. He says, God, I know it has to be you. There's no way that it's just a carnal man that's doing these things. There's something different about you. And Jesus, he seized upon this opportunity, this limited experience that uh, Nicodemus had. But he had faith. And so he wanted to introduce this critical topic to all of mankind. In John 3 and 3, he says, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And that phrase, born again, to us today, it's, it's pretty common, right? Guessing that's not the first time anyone in this room has heard the phrase, born again. At least I hope not. But consider how confusing this must have been for Nicodemus. Born again, like... That, that's not physically possible. How can a man be born again when he's old? He's, he's very confused. You know, how can he enter a second time into his, his mother's womb and be born? And I love that that's Nicodemus' approach because sometimes that's our approach when God reveals something to us. When it's something new is, is our human minds try to figure out, okay, God said this, so logically it has to mean this. Or logically I have to do this because that's what God said. We can't figure it out on our own. We have to wait for God to to give us the the explanation, the interpretation. And that's when God speaks a word to us. It's so important that we stop and we listen. We've had some some men's prayer nights of listening prayer over that. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I know exactly what God wanted, and I'm just going to go with it. But we need to slow down and let Him explain exactly what it is. And that's what Jesus has to do with Nicodemus. So Jesus saw uh, this answer in the foundations of the New Testament. And he, he said in John 3 and 5. Verily, verily, I say unto thee. Except a man be of, born of water. And of the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So one. Being born of the water. That's that's baptism. And baptism is amazing. It, it, it's wonderful. It's a foundation. If you haven't been baptized. That's that, that's important. You need to have that done. But the second half of that instruction. was Was the important part where he says you've got to be born of the the Spirit. When the Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts chapter 2, it was the experience that that Jesus had promised Nicodemus, that that it was going to become a reality one day. Jesus did not say that a a believer would be well served by receiving the Spirit. He didn't say, you know what would be great, and if you can find time to make time to to let me live in your heart. He didn't tell them it would be great if if they would do this and. It would make your life easier if you would just uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost. But he told them that, that it, it's a command. You have to be born again. It's, it's not a recommendation. But it was a requirement that he gave forth. So receiving the, the spirit re- requires us to, to to have faith, right? And I love the example that he gave. You know, you got to be born again because that example of labor, labor's hard. Shocker, I've never had a kid myself, but I've been in the room, and uh, my wife is usually a a wonderful, pleasant, happy person, but in labor, she at times is a little angry and short. It's tough, right? It's messy. Labor is messy. And what happens during that labor process is when new life is brought into the world, that new baby is completely dependent on mom. I've yet to see a a one-day-year-old baby say, you know what? I got this. I can do this on my own. My two-year-old says that. But I've not seen a one-day-old year one day old baby do that because we have to be completely dependent upon our mom and dad to, to, to help us out. And I think he used that, that example of birth is because when you're born again, you've got to be completely dependent upon God. Because if you're truly trusting in him, if you're truly living out your faith, then you can't do things on your own anymore. It's a vulnerable place to be at. But that's why it was so important that it had to be born again. It had to be that example to let them know that, hey... One is you've got to be completely relying on me now, but also you get a new beginning. you get a fresh start. I love that. I love that so much that that when, when I can raise my hands and I can worship him and, and I can I can speak in tongues and feel his presence with me, it, it's like each and every time fresh start. I was struggling with something, but you know what God's in me now he's giving me he's giving me strength. it's a fresh start. I can do anything with him. It reminds me that I've got to be dependent. Upon him, I've got to get reliant on him, especially when things get messy and tough. I've got to be reliant on God. So we have a big advantage over Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus had never heard of anyone being baptized by the Spirit. And we, on the other hand, get to hear testimonies about people that have been filled with the Holy Ghost. We get to see it working each and every Sunday, hopefully each and every day of our lives. And we know that that, uh, Jesus... He gave us this example of the infilling of the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues so that we have confirmation, right? There's no doubt about it. We can't just come to the altar and say, you know, I feel a little bit different. I'm not sure if God is in me or not. But he's going to give us the confirmation of speaking in tongues so we know without a shadow of a doubt that our lives have been changed. Just like they did in Acts 2, every individual will speak with that, that, that unknown tongue the first time that, that they receive the Holy Ghost. So what was true for Nicodemus is true for all of us today. There's there's just one way to be born again, and that's to be filled with the Spirit of God through his baptism. Anything less, it's not obedient. It's not what God called us to do. What's important is for each of us, we have to have this desire for it, right? We have to make a personal desire. It's, It's more than just this collecting of getting together and saying, you know what? I believe in Jesus so that means his spirit lives in me because I've accepted it. That's, that's an easy message to preach, and there's a lot of churches that do it, but it's not biblically based. What changed? Well, I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Cool. What changed in your life? What did you give up to do that? What did you surrender to do that? It, it, it has to be this, this process that we go through. We can't just simply say that I, I attend a church, so I, I, I'm filled with his spirit. I don't receive the spirit of baptism just because I was born into a specific family. That'd be a lot easier. And I've got great Christian heritage, and I'm thankful for it. But but, what grandma and grandpa did, it doesn't affect what I do unless it's my personal choice, unless I decide for myself that this is what's important. It's not something that you can learn to do. I've seen YouTube videos that just make me laugh where you'll see people praying at the altar, and they're like, all right, and I'll say this, say that. You can't teach someone how to speak speak in tongues. It's not a class you can attend. It doesn't matter how much book smart you have or how intelligent you are. It's it's not going to give you the Holy Ghost. You've got to to open yourself up to God. Paul, he also addressed the, the necessity for receiving the Holy Ghost. Since Jesus taught the necessity of being born again, it makes sense that we find those that went on followed after him and taught that same kind of truth. The Apostle Paul is recorded heralding the same message in Acts 19. He arrives in Ephesus, and he met a, a group of disciples who had been impacted by John the Baptist's preachings. And these men, that they were not evil, but they were believers, and they were coming to the Messiah. And they desired to follow and serve him, but they were limited by their lack of knowledge and his identity. And what he taught and what, what, what should be done of them. And what I love is that there's the gr- these group of men that, that come to Paul, and it doesn't say that Paul encountered a bunch of sinners, right? It doesn't say that he went up and he, he found a bunch of drunkards and a bunch of terrible people, and he just went in there preaching to them, You guys need the Holy Ghost. But he found people that had a desire to do what God wanted them to do. You know, they were good people, they loved God, they had all these things. And he says, You know what? I'm glad that you love God, I'm glad that you have a desire. But that's not enough. There's more that you need to have. You need to have salvation. And he begins to preach salvation to them. Seeing their hunger, Paul made the most significant question to them. In Acts 19, 2, he says, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He asked them a simple question. He says, listen, it looks like you guys are excited. It looks like you love God. So where are you at? Have you got the Holy Ghost? Because believing is one thing, and that's great. That, that, that's a step. But have you taken your belief a little bit further? He didn't accept their sincerity as adequate for their spiritual resume. He didn't say, God, I met these people, and, man, they loved you, and they were doing great. So I went, and, I went and preached to some sinners instead because they're good enough. No, he said, even you that, that are doing good and you love God with all your heart, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And as soon as these men realized that, that they had a sincerity for the, for the Lord... It prompted them to take the necessary steps of obedience and to be born again of the Spirit. It was through their desire to get closer to God that Paul was able to have a conversation with them. Right? He was able to have that conversation about what, what they need to do to be saved because they had a desire and they had a hunger to do what was right. Right? True faith should always be followed by the baptism of the Spirit. It's really hard to say that we have faith in God if, if we don't speak in tongues. And I know that's a that's a harsh thing to say. And say, no, I love God and I believe in God. But if you truly have faith in God, if you truly believe that God has your best interests at heart, if you truly have given everything to God, He's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. It, it's I, I come across so many good people in my life that they say, man, I have so much faith in God. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Well, no, that's just for some people. That's not for me. Man, I want to have faith in God that that he loves me enough that everything that he has that is good, it's going to be mine. Every blessing that he has in my life, it's going to be something that I'm going to receive. We don't have to believe the lie that, you know, it's just for some. No, it's for all. He wants to fill us all. When the disciples of John responded with confusion that they had never even heard about the Holy Ghost, Paul knew something was amiss. He was so taken back by the response that he inquired with them about water baptism. And they would never even been baptized in the name of Jesus. So what does he do in Acts 19.5? He goes, let's go find some water. Let's get you baptized because we need to to do things right. You you have a desire. You love God. You've repented. Let's get you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let's get you filled with the Holy Ghost. The very next verse records in Acts 19.6. It says, and when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on to them, and they spake with tongues, and they prophesied. As soon as they understood that Jesus was the Messiah, and as soon as they were baptized in Jesus' name, these, were, these men were immediately born again. Their faith was was not enough, but their faith was enough to, to say, God, what, what else do you have? Water baptism wasn't enough. They had to proceed beyond that, that, that mental check mark and say okay i've done these two things but they had to get to a place of of full obedience with god and that's what led them to uh to a new birth and here when i was studying this i was like god this is great because you know we need to go out and we need to teach the world and we need to talk to our friends and our family we need to tell them they need the holy ghost but if i walk up to somebody that's never even heard about the holy ghost and i say you need to have the holy ghost to go to heaven How's that going to be received? They're going to be confused, right? There's no, there's no desire for the Holy Ghost yet. It was through the desire for the Holy Ghost that these men were able to be able to receive the Holy Ghost. And God gave me this great example. I remember when Sarah and I were just married, we were uh, down visiting her family. And her family has a friend named Darlene. And Darlene has a, she's got a lot of money, just put it mildly. And so we're leaving this restaurant. And Darlene says, hey, do you want to drive my Mercedes? I don't care. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not a car guy, right? It's not big for me. I, ha- I had a Honda Civic at the time that was almost paid off. And I'm like, it gets from point A to point B. And she's talking about, no, you, this is a $100,000 Mercedes. You need to get in here and you need to drive it. Okay, cool. So then I drive this Mercedes and I only drive it a little bit. And man, I'll tell you what, that was Amazing because it had massages in the, in the seat, it, it had heat warmers, it had this filtration system in the car where you put like a perfume in there and it would make the car smell all nice all around. The back seat had like special windows that would, would blacken for you. You could put your seat back in the back and recline a little bit. I'm driving along and I feel this little nudge. I'm like, what in the world is that? Well, that's just the car letting you know that there's a car coming by you to pass you. So it's getting your attention. I'm like, it, it feels like the car's hugging me. Like, this is amazing. So we get to her dad's house, and we had just been married at the time. I think I was making like $15 an hour, and I'm thinking, how could I afford this car? What could I cut in my life? Because now now I understand. Now I have a desire for for this thing. To me, it doesn't make any sense. A car is a car, whether it's a Honda, a high-end Mercedes, it didn't matter. But once I got to experience the difference, then that's what made all the difference. That's what changed. That's what gave me a desire. I loved uh, a couple Sundays ago, uh, God filled Tiffany with the Holy Ghost. It was amazing. She came up, and and, and she would pray for just a few minutes, and she was speaking in tongues. And after service, she came up to me, and she said, I understand the joy. Like Jarvel and everybody was trying to tell me about the joy. They were trying to explain it to me, but I, I couldn't comprehend it. But now I know. Now I understand. She had been seeking for the Holy Ghost, and she had a desire for the Holy Ghost not because, oh, someone just said, "You need the Holy Ghost, but she saw the transformation in lives of people around her. She saw the difference it made, and that's that 's where desire comes from that 's where people get hungry for the Holy Ghost is not because we get up on a platform and we say, You have to have the Holy Ghost, but when we get up and say, "Look what the Holy Ghost has done in my life, look what God has been able to do for me it 's not just a necessity for us to talk about, but in hand in hand with this there's the necessity for the for the spirit but there's a necessity to have relationships with people if we're going to be an effective witness if we're going to lead people to god we have to have a relationship with them while speaking in tongues is the initial sign of the infilling with the holy ghost there must be ongoing signs that god's spirit resides in us it's not an exclusive list but uh galatians 5:22 and 23 it's the, uh, the the fruit of the spirit right so joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Against such there is no law. I'm probably going to make a couple people mad right now, but if you have the Holy Ghost, but you don't possess any of these qualities, you need to go speak in tongues again. You need to get back up to an altar because it's not just checking a box off to say, you know what, I spoke in tongues, but I'm evil and wicked and I'm short-tempered with everybody around me at work. No, we need to be possessed with good things, we need to be an example. The Holy Spirit should be living through us. It's a wonderful experience, and we should desire for others to share in that same gift. You want to know why I believe that God says he fills us with joy and peace and all these great things? It's because people are drawn to that. People aren't drawn to someone that's, oh, I'm just here to check off a box. Yeah, I'm and We're good got that grumpy face, and no one wants to confront you, no one wants to talk to you. That's No, but when they see that, hey, there's something different about them. They're going through the same situation that I'm going through, but they got a smile on their face. They, they, I, I'm, I'm, I'm short-tempered, and I'm angry at my boss just like they are, but I'm giving them a little bit more patience, and they see something different. That's when the conversation starts, and it says, you know what? What's different? Because I have a desire to have what you have. That's when we're able to witness to people about the Holy Ghost. That's when we're able to have a conversation about how God can save them. It's all about relationships. You must be born again. It it didn't leave any kind of question mark for it. There's no room for discussion. It didn't matter what your opinion is on it. Being born again, it's not just a choice. It's not just a right for some, but not for others, but it's a requirement for our salvation. I believe that I've talked about it a little bit, but that's why God gives us a testimony. That's why God gives us things that we go through so that we can we can come through the fire and we can tell somebody about what we've experienced and they can have a desire for the Holy Ghost. I shared with it this morning uh, in, our, in our meeting with the leaders, but God has opened up an amazing door for this church. During our serve uh, day, we had an opportunity to serve with Inspiration Ministries, and it is a, a group of men that are that are struggling, that they're, most of them are out of prison or battling addictions and things like that. And we got to go and we got to be with them on serve day. And then on friends day, they, they brought another group back because they were so excited and they loved what they felt in, in the church. And uh, I love that day because we're out doing things and I see these guys from Inspiration Ministries playing t-ball with our, our kids, throwing wiffle balls. And the guy that's throwing the pitches, he's saying, tell me something you're grateful for before he even throws the pitch. And I'm like, man, these guys—they've they, got a desire. They've got—they've got a hunger, and it made me so excited. And I—I—I I, I told Pastor at the end of the year, I said, man, I don't know what it is. I said, but i, I want to do something with an Inspiration Ministries. I said, I don't know where the door is going to open, but I just—I have a heartbeat for it. And Pastor started reaching out to to Brother Mark Yeager and Banner, who two gentlemen that sat right up here on Wednesday night, and we have an open door now where the pastor's going to go into this this organization on Tuesday mornings and, and preach anger management classes. On Wednesday nights, we're going to have a lot of visitors coming into the church that are going to be taking a substance abuse class. we got some gentlemen that are just going to be a part of the church. You might start seeing a busload of people come in on Sunday mornings. And here, here's the amazing thing, is that it's going to be the people in the church that make the difference in their lives. They have a desire to change, and they have a desire to grow, but you know what? I bet they have no idea what the Holy Ghost can do for them, and I can sit down with them and have a Bible study and tell them, you need to have the Holy Ghost, but when they connect with somebody, and they have a relationship with somebody, and they see a transformation in somebody, that's going to make all the difference. That's why I think it's so important that that we get to this point where we share our testimonies, and we, we don't get discouraged when we're going through a tough time, and we get mad at God and say, I don't understand this, but God you think I'm strong enough to go through this because you think that someone else isn't. And I want to be the one that can go through it and say, my God is greater. And it's through the Holy Ghost that I'm able to make it through it because I can't make it through the trials of life without his spirit in me. There's no way I can do it alone, but it's through the necessity of the spirit in my life that I'm able to be an overcomer. The Bible defines a salvation as death, burial, and the resurrection. Right, we got to die out to this flesh. We got to repent. We got to be baptized. We have to receive the Holy Ghost. These are requirements. They aren't good things, and oh, it's nice to have. But if we want to make it to heaven, then that's what we have to do. Romans eight nine says, "But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man is not in the spirit of Christ, he is none of His." Says, "If you want to know if you're God's or not, are you walking in the spirit?" Are you being led by the Spirit? Sanctification is the process of being set apart in two different aspects. One is we set ourselves apart from sin, which is crucial. But the other thing is we have to set ourselves apart to God. One without the other, and it's incomplete. Living a life without sin, but not having a relationship with God, it's not sanctification. If you're able to do that, I'm greatly impressed because I could not live a life without sin if it wasn't for my relationship with god because what happens is, is if you can get so stuck in on the law and what i'm taking away from my life when i'm giving up and you'll just be like that pharisee that gets confused and thinks religion is one thing but it's the relationship with god that makes all the difference if we seek to be set apart from from the world but not be attached to god then we're not going to be in that that, that that good spirit, right? We're going to be able to fall into compromise. The only way for us to be effectively sanctified is through the ongoing work of God with the Spirit living in our lives. Multiple verses talk about uh, the Spirit sanctifying God's work. Romans uh, 15, 16, 1 Corinthians six eleven. they talk that God gives us a spirit uh, to help us to resist the downward pulling of our faith, Right? God gives us his spirit to help us to be overcomers through these tough times. Because guess what? The the flesh is still going to be the flesh. We're still going to struggle with desires. We're still going to struggle with thoughts, all these things. But it's through the spirit that we're able to tear down these strongholds. It's through his spirit that that our, our faith is able to be built up that we can be overcomers. The spirit empowers us for ministry. Not every child of God is called to be a preacher, but every one of us is called to be a minister or to, to be a servant. And that's the thing. I think sometimes people hear the word ministry and they think, oh, that's, that's when you stand behind a pulpit and you talk and you read scripture. No, that's, that's not ministry. Min- ministry is, is, is being a servant. It, it, it's saying I'm going to get connected with somebody. I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable place and say, what can I do for you? Let me help glorify God, not glorify myself. It's that having that, that servant mind is, is, is going to be the difference when God fills us with the Spirit. That's how the Scripture defines the word ministry, is, is being a servant. We're called to faithfully serve our God, our fellow church members, and also our community. We cannot do that without a spiritual calling on our lives. We can't do that just out of our own fleshly power, right? It's really hard to, to have love for my neighbor If I'm always focusing on myself. If I'm so consumed with my own agenda, it's really hard for me to be able to witness to those around me. But when I'm led by the Spirit, I'm able to achieve these things. It's because of God's Spirit that we're blessed to have hope. We're blessed to have salvation, right? Eternal life. Paul wrote, "But, but the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead... It dwell in you, that he raised you up from Christ from the dead, he shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. It teaches us that that getting the Holy Ghost, receiving the, that, that, that's the down payment, that's the requirement, so that God can call us up one day for our eternal reward. At the coming of the Lord, all those who are dead in Christ are going to be gathered up and they're going to be able to spend some time with him. They're going to be able to, to spend some time living and rejoicing, being happy with God. But we have to have that spirit in us. One man wisely said that a revelation without a response will only leave you with education, but not an experience. And I loved uh, Brother Caleb on Wednesday night. He was talking about uh, stewardship of the body. And he was talking about how one of his biggest pet peeves is when a a minister comes up and then they speak about all these good things and they, they give you great thoughts, but they never give you any action items, right? It's just words. They, they don't tell you what you need to do next, what's the next steps. And I'm thankful that God has done that for us. He didn't leave us questioning and wondering, and, okay, what do I have to do to be saved? He laid it out very clearly, when you got to put me first? Because true repentance doesn't come until we die out to this flesh. I think that's, I, I think that's where so many people struggle sometimes is, is repentance. They say, oh, repentance is saying, I'm sorry, no, repentance is saying, Lord, remove the desire from me because I don't want to make that same mistake again. It's not saying, God, you caught me, so I don't want to get punished, right? Th- there's a huge difference. Like, my, I have two boys that are two and four, and I love them to death. They are great. They are dear to my heart. But uh, when they wrestle and they fight, you can tell when someone's sorry when they're not. Andy, go tell your brother you're Sorry. Sorry. Yep, that, that totally did it. You, you checked off the box. And it's just a formality at that point, right? But when he actually hurts his brother and he sees his brother is crying and he feels bad for him, he goes over and he hugs him. And he says, I'm sorry, Johnny. And you can feel the difference. And it sounds silly, but I believe that that some of us struggle with that in our lives. Is we have our own desires and we have our own things, our own agenda that we're going through. And we're trying to justify why God should allow it in our lives and why it's okay And then we come to church, and God starts to speak to us, whether it be through a a message or a song or something, and we get convicted. And instead of saying, God, you know what? I'm sorry I caused you pain. I'm sorry I hurt you. I'm sorry I affected this relationship. Lord, I want to restore this back to you and have a sincerity of it. What happens is, I'm sorry you caught me. I know this is supposed to be about the Holy Ghost, and we'll get back into that in just a minute, but... I feel like that's, that's the necessity is we have to have the heart of God and we have to truly love him and get to a point where it's not just, well, I'm allowed to do this or I'm not allowed to do that. But God, I love you so much. I don't want to do anything that's going to hinder that relationship with you. I don't want to do anything in my life that's going to stop a witness that I have because God, you've put me through these trials and these, these tough times because you have a plan for it. And if it's a plan to reach someone's life, I don't want to be a quick word that I said out of bitterness be something that destroys something that you had planned for my future. We need to get to the point where we're allowing God to speak through us. Water baptism. Water baptism is so essential. It's dying out to this flesh completely, and it's saying, you know what, every sin that I've got is, is washed away. And I love that, especially like I, when kids get baptized, I love it. It's great. But when you see an adult who gets baptized, who finally realizes for the first time, you know what? It's not about me anymore. It's about God. When they have that revelation, man, that is the most exciting thing that I've ever seen. I love it so much. I've I've had times where people have been baptized, and they say, oh, I got baptized as a child, and now I'm grown, and I'm older. Can you baptize me again? Some people do that. That's fine. I don't think that's a necessity, because I believe that once we have the Holy Ghost, we can go to God, and we can say, you know what, God? I am sorry. Fill me with your spirit again. I'm going to die out to these sins. I I don't have to to every every Sunday that I make a mistake get up there and hop in the in the tank again and get dunked. That that water would be really dirty by the end of service if every single one of us who sinned throughout the week would have to get rebaptized. But it's not just something we check off the list and say, you know what? I asked for forgiveness once. I got baptized. We're done. I spoke in tongues once. We're, we're, we're done. These are necessities for our life. We need to be able to walk in the Spirit daily. We need to be able to to desire what God has for us. We need to, to take time out of our day, and that's the hard part sometimes is to look at our busy schedule and say, you know what, God, I'm going to make time for you. Before my, my, my day or my week gets too crazy, it's what I'm going to do. Some people, uh, not me, are, are are healthy and good with, with what they do, right? They're great at losing weight is because they, they have a, a focus. They'll meal plan at the beginning of the week. They'll say, this is what I'm going to eat this week. These are the times I'm going to work out this week. And they're diligent. And what's amazing is, is you'll see them lose weight. What happens to me is about 2 o'clock, I'll text my wife, hey, what sounds good for dinner? What, what's something that's fatty and disgusting that I probably shouldn't put in this body? But you know what? I've got a desire. I've got a craving for it. But what would happen if we planned out our weeks spiritually like, like some people do that way? That, that's when you're going to see spiritual growth, right? That's when we're going to be, see us shedding things of our life that we didn't even know was a hindrance between us and God. When we get to that point where we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carve out time for you this week. Before this week gets started, God, here are the things that I know that I have to do. But, God, I'm going to make time for you. And I'm not, I'm not going to just just check it off and say it's something that, that we're going through the motions. But it's a necessity that I have to have you every day. God, I want to speak in tongues every single day. I remember when I uh, got back in church several years ago. It was about 15 years ago or so. And God refilled me with the Holy Ghost after a long time of me being stupid. Let's just call it that. But he filled me with the Holy Ghost, and I loved it. It was amazing. And it seemed like every single time I would come to service, I had to get it set in my mind, God, I have to speak in tongues today. If there's something that, that, that's hindering me, I have to get past it. I have to speak in tongues today. I have to have that feeling again. And I remember my, my grandpa, uh, Grumpy, he was a, a, a man of God. He, he was a minister, and he he was amazing and I would go and i would I would go see him and and we would pray right before I leave to, you know pray over his body, pray over things in his life and that man it, the moment that he opened his mouth, he was speaking in tongues, and I thought, God, how in the world i gotta build up I gotta take like ten minutes of God forgive this, God forgive that and I gotta like muster up tears and I gotta try so hard and and it, and God convicted me, and he was like it's because you're not living it every day. You're not living it every moment. You have to try so hard because you're focused on you, 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 you. And then when you come to me, you've got to push past all of that stuff, all of your own agenda, all of your own pride. And that's why it's so hard for you sometimes to just let me take control and let me be a blessing to you. And so I say that to say this. If you're someone where, like, you've got the Holy Ghost, but you say, man, I can only speak in tongues when it's a church or when a certain song's on or things like that don't let that discourage you, but let that be a sign to say, you know what, God, what am I putting between you and me? What am I doing that that that's hindering that flow? Because I, I believe that it's God's desire for us that we don't have to, to beg and to plead every time we come to the altar to say, God, let me be used of you. But when we walk in the Spirit, when we let the Spirit be our guide in our daily lives, then that's what's going to make a big difference for us. If Sister Hannah wants to play a song and we're going to close out this morning. We've got Sunday school classes that are that are going to be coming in. But I wonder if we could just all stand today for just a few moments and close our eyes. Because whether you've had the Holy Ghost for, for two weeks or, or 20 years, I believe that God wants to speak to us today. He wants to renew that in us today. It's not just something that says, I've got the Holy Ghost, so this one isn't for me. But God, thank you for your spirit today, God. Lord, thank you for your unfilling, God. Thank you, Lord, for trusting me enough, Lord. That, that, that you've given me opportunities lord to minister God lord use me lord to to, to restore relationships lord with, with my brother and my my sisters god lord in this community lord that you might be able to to use this church God in a mighty way God lord that we might be able to to be a, a church that your spirit flows that it's not just a a once in a while thing God but Every service, every Sunday, every Wednesday, Lord, let us walk in your spirit, God. Let us be in tune with your spirit, Lord, that we might be able to do great things. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.